one of the best cars they ever had utilizes an engine that I have. And a few years ago, somebody had one of the shells up for sale for about $125,000. Would have been great, I can buy it, and I already had an engine to put in it. I've always wanted one of these cars, and hell, even Elvis Presley owned one of them back in the they're amazing. They were powerful and they were powered by a Ford Mustang engine. Hell, they even bought out the last year production of the 351 Cleveland out of Australia just to power their cars. And they built some of the most beautiful cars back in the day. Originally, its owner from Argentina moved to Italy and built this brand new supercar manufacturer. It never became as big as Ferrari or Lamborghini, but its name is one that a lot of people can remember. De Tommaso is more than just power. It was the American Italian Argentinian supercar. Welcome back to the Autolux Podcast. I am your host, as always, the doctor to the automotive industry, Mr. Everett J, coming to you from our main website at autolux.net. If you haven't been there, stop by, check it out. Some of our ratings, we do well over 500 cars every single year on our end of the year ratings. We rate vehicles on their exterior designs. And throughout the year, you can find design rating articles and blogs about some of the greatest vehicles coming out to the public this year. On top of that, stop by and check out our corporate links websites and help pages and if you're an educator or a parent stop by you can check out some of our children's books or the help pages to find amazing websites and information from the automotive industry it's all there on the autolux.net website autolux division of ecom media entertainment and hosted by the one and only everett j so like I said in the beginning, De Tommaso is one of those supercar manufacturers that everybody has heard of. We all know about them, but who were they and where did they originally come from? There's always these questions behind it. And if we've uncovered history about some greats like DeLorean and Fernuccio Lamborghini, De Tommaso is one of those ones that always gets passed up. De Tommaso built some amazing vehicles. The Pantera, one of the greatest ones you can remember, and hell, one of them was even owned by Elvis Presley himself. Powered by the same engine that powers my Mustang, a 351 V8 engine from Mustang. The Pantera is more than just a cool name. It's also one of the most powerful bands in history. And when you hear the word Pantera for myself, I think of two things. I think of De Tommaso, and I think Dimebag Shredding. Cowboys from hell, buddy. And trust me, we'll never close these cemetery gates. De Tommaso Modena SPA was an Italian company. It was set up in Modena, Italy by Argentine-born Alejandro de Tommaso. Born in 1928 and lived until 2003. The famous logo if you didn't know this, was inspired by his home ranch in Argentina. Along with the Argentinian flag, colors the background with the tea cattle branding symbol from Cabello's estate, where Alejandro grew up. He is one of the most prominent and wealthy ranching families. But again, why did he leave Argentina to go to Italy and build cars? Don't sit back, you're gonna learn some stuff. In 1945, he raced his first race, which would soon take him on an extravagant racing career. By 1954, he had completed a 1,000-kilometer race of Buenos Aires. His family was politically prominent, which soon would lead him to Italy. 
he had backed an underground political newspaper which opposed the current president. And in 1955, he took part in an attempt to overthrow the Argentine regime. This failed, and he soon had to leave Argentina and politics for good. Alejandro emigrated to Italy in 1955 after being implicated in a plot to overthrow the current Argentinian president, Juan Perón. He settled in Bologna, Italy, and soon got a job with OSCA as a test car driver. Never heard of Oscar? They are one of the big racing outfits from Italy. This is where he met his second wife, an American heiress, Elizabeth Isabel Haskell, who is the granddaughter to William C. Durant. And if you don't know that name, then you really don't know your history about cars, because William C. Durant is one of the most prominent automotive names in history. He was the founder of General Motors. He helped bring the divisions together. And with the help of the McLaughlin family from Oshawa, Ontario, William C. Durant built General Motors. And yes, if you don't know that, wasn't for help from the McLaughlins. Durant may never have regained control of General Motors. Isabel was a capable driver as, as well, and together they raced successfully in the Oscar sports cars. Alejandro soon started experimenting with this car's design, but due to his limitations imposed by the Maserati brothers who owned Oscar, he gets frustrated and leaves to form his own company. So yeah, Oscar was part of the original Maserati family. The Maserati brothers really didn't want him screwing around with their cars, because they didn't feel that this kid, from a political and ranching background, really knew anything thing about developing proper race cars. Sound kind of familiar to you? Kind of like, you know, Fenuccio Lamborghini and Enzo Ferrari? Well, Spat and one of them goes off to create their own car company. Alejandro soon founded his own company, De Tommaso Automobili, in 1955 to build prototypes and race cars. This was followed after a move to Modena, Italy, the bread and butter of Italian super. Hell, it's also where Maserati and Ferrari reside. This company was backed by his brother-in-law. Tommaso differentiated itself with the use of aluminum backbone chassis, which would become their technical trademark. Sound familiar? DeLorean did it too. His first product was a single-seat race car, which featured a 1,492cc Oscar engine. Unfortunately, he would rely on Oscar for his early years, but soon would depart from his previous employer to utilize Ford engines. And if you remember back in those days, back in the 60s, Ford tried to buy into Ferrari. And here they are with another Italian brand. Did Tommaso design and produce prototype race cars for Formula Junior 3, 2, and 1 and Indy? Within their racing heritage, they would build many racing cars and even one for F1 driver Frank Williams himself. Up until 1963, De Tommaso's vision was only to race cars, but similar to that of Enzo, he would soon change with his next project. By 1963, his Velaguna racing car was completed and ready for someone to build. This would become one of the first mid-engine layouts ever seen on a light-use vehicle. As no one wanted to build this car, he soon turned to Ghia, Volkswagen Ghia, to help his company built with only a simple 104 horsepower four-cylinder engine from a Ford Cortina. The Villaguna wasn't what you would call a true sports car. But if you remember, the Acura NSX originally was developed with a four-cylinder, so they're not that far off. The Villaguna only built 58 cars, but it was a catalyst for his next project. In 1964, Dent Masso received a call from Carroll Shelby to help him build a race car that no one could beat. Carroll Shelby, like 
of Shelby Cobra. Okay? This is an amazing call. This is also going to bring him closer to Ford. Soon, the P-70 entered the racing world, with Shelby leaving before its completion to join the GT40 project from Ford. So originally, Carroll worked with the Tommaso to try and build their ultimate racing car. But taking his information and leaving him at the last minute to go work on the GT40 project. Designed by Peter Brock and backing by Shelby, the P70 project was well on its way. Failed delivery dates and the conflict between Shelby and De Tommaso meant the project was on its way out. In 1966, De Tommaso saw a need for more financial stability. And with the commercial success of the Velaguna, was ready to establish the brand as a sports car manufacturer. Unfortunately, if you go back and you check out about the P70, it never really made it, unfortunately. Beautiful looking car. Due to a fight between Shelby and De Tommaso, its fate was essentially sealed. In 1967, they purchased Ghia Design House, which was later sold to Ford in 1970, using the failed Ghia de Tommaso Sport 5000, a Project P70 car, as its backbone. The Mangusta, or Mongoose in Italian, became his first supercar. The use of the name was seen as retaliation to Shelby for leaving the project. The Mangusta utilized a Ford V8 in place of the limited four-cylinder engine from the Laguna. The Ford Hypo 289 and later 302 were the main engines, with only one being built with a Chevrolet engine for GM Vice President Bill Mitchell. Yeah, a Vice President from General Motors wanted a car from someone else. Kind of neat. But do you kind of get this? The Mangusta, or Mongoose. Gotta remember, Mongoose eats snakes. Shelby left to make the Cobra, and they made the Mongoose. <laughs> Take that. The original car was exempt from federal regulations, which allow small production vehicles from meeting safety regulations. This allowed the Mangusta to keep its quad-low headlands and lack of seatbelt. This changed near the end of the production as the exemption law changed due to new regulations. So early models of the Mangusta didn't have seatbelt or headlamp. But by the end, you know you have to change. It's kind of like the Viper. It essentially got killed up by new safety regulations. And the last of the few Mangustas for the U.S. came with pop-up headlights controlled by a simple cable pulley system. Pretty simple, pretty basic, but hey, saves on weight. In 1970, Ford acquired a majority stake in De Tommaso, which allowed it to build its own sports cars to be sold in its Lincoln Mercury dealerships. Lee Iacocca spearheaded the takeover and wanted the GT car to take on the Corvette and whatever else GM had. They also did this due to the fact that they weren't able to get their hands on Ferrari. And again, Ford versus Ferrari was using De Tommaso to go up against them. Eventually, this led to the Pantera, and a fused with an American muscle from a Ford 351 Cleveland V8. The Italian design from Ghia, its wedge shape and power changed the way we saw GT cars. Only other car similar to it would have been the Countach. From 1970 to 73, over 6,000 Panteras were sold. But Ford pulled out of this deal due to the world oil crosses, which led to Tommaso to regain control of his company. Again, oil takes them down. He lost the rights to sell the car in America, but was able to retain the global rights for sales and reduce the amount up to 100 cars per year, basically drive up the exclusivity of his products. He didn't want it to be a mass-produced car. He wanted people to pay good money for something great. 
Egypt. Ditamasa retained the right to utilize the Ford V8, which kept the Pantera going strong. From 1971 to 1972, over 7,000 Panteras were sold, with many updates and even racing models. And even though the 351 went out of production in the States in 1974, it continued on in Australia until 1982. And in 1988, the supply of 351 Clevelands ran out, and they eventually had to switch to the Windsor engine. But yes, those remaining years that Australia kept producing the 351 Cleveland for the Falcons, De Tomaso was buying them and Mastro's to wedge them into the back ends of his Panteras. And like I said, I have one of those engines completely rebuilt waiting to go with a car. The Panteras had many iterations and moved from the 70s muscle car scene and into the 80s fiberglass supercar ring very well, similar to that of how the Countach aged like fine wine. From 73 to 2000, De Tomaso owned cycle manufacturer Motoguiza. Added to his empire, at some point he owned Ghia, Vignal, Motoguiza, Benili, and Innocenti. After losing the Ford deal and regaining control of the Tommaso, he purchased the Maserati in 1975, a company he had once worked for. He had rescued Maserati from Citroen with the help of the Italian government and owned them until 1993 when Maserati was sold off to the Fiat Group. But we all know what happened here. Let's sit back and listen. In 1971, it also saw the introduction of the Duville, which was also built to rival companies like Mercedes and Jaguar. The Duville was, was the company's first sedan and was built in collaboration, naturally, with the Maserati Quattroport, and hence the reason why they look very similar. But this is the 80s, or the 70s. From the 70s, late 70s and early 80s, the sports car ring started blowing up again. It was made from 1971 to 1985 with over 200 Produced. In 1972, they saw the introduction of the Longchamp, which was released in collaboration with Ford to complement the DeVille sedan. Its coupe appearance made the DeMasso a small automotive company specializing in custom-built products for customers. And at the end of its run, the Pantera was released by the new Guara supercar. Although not as famous as the Pantera, the Guara would be a step into the future. The Guara was based on the Maserati Bruschetta and used parts from both Ford and BMW. It had a composite body and was available in a coupe and a Bruschetta versions. Due to slumping sales from its other divisions and its divestment of Maserati, the Guara never saw more than 50 produced. So today, the Tommaso Guara is a limited production vehicle. If you go back and you check out the history of the Tommaso and you actually check out our website, you can see the many different variations of the Pantera, the Longchamp, and the Duvaux. How have they changed over the years? And now you can see how the Tommaso actually started looking like a main competitor to other sports car manufacturers, although very low volume, similar to that of products like TVR. De Tommaso was now slipping out of existence and managed to stay afloat with the sale of Maserati in 1993. This helped them work on two more ill-fated projects, unfortunately. De Tommaso started work on the Buga concept and a concept and had the concept released for 1996. With no help from the government to build their car, Nassan helped the help of Caval, an American company which imported the original Mangusta and Maserati models from De Tommaso, hence the Caval Mangusta. If you've ever heard of it, that was the last De Tommaso to ever enter the North America marketplace. 
This was supposed to be sold as the Tomasa Mangusta, but sour relations of licensing and distribution brought Cavell to take over the project, which sold it as the Cavell Mangusta. This was built Cavell's own assembly plant under their own name, and after their ill-fated Bigua sports car project, Tomasa went to work on their very last product. In 2002, they did have the intention of building an off-road vehicle, but never got past their pre-development. This was to be built in collaboration with U.S., but issues kept it from ever being built. They could have been one of the first ones to the sport SUV craze. This was short-lived, and the plant was soon sold to Rover for them to make the new MGX Power SUV. This only helped until 2003 when Motoguiza was sold off to stay afloat. And on May 21st, 2003, Alejandro de Tomaso succumbed to his ill-failing health from a massive stroke early in the year and passed away. His company was handed over to his son, Santiago, who failed to keep his father's dream alive as natural. This was a short-lived as the company went into liquidation in 2004. By 2009, a buyer had been found for the factory and the name, and the new owner found a de Tomaso Automobili SPA and came out of the wreckage. A new crossover concept of the DeVoe was sent to Geneva in 2011 with the hopes of revitalizing the brand. Now this thing is, if you've seen it, it's kind of like an original version of the Maserati Levante. It's quite interesting. That's essentially where they wound up. This was followed up with a new sports car and sedan, but this never happened as the new owner, GM Mario Rossignolo, was arrested for misappropriation of funds, which he had received from the government to keep the Tommaso alive. And by May 2012, the Tommaso was for sale again, garnering interest for BMW for its factory. This never happened, and in 2014, the original workshop was abandoned. In April 2015, an Italian bankruptcy court approved the sale of the brand and its image to Chinese venture group Ideal Team Ventures. Ah, uh, Ideal Team Ventures. One of the higher rated pages on the Autolux Corporate Links websites because people are always looking for De Tommaso. They intended to use the name to build new cars in China utilizing its heritage. Similar to the Shanghai Automotive Group's use of the Rover and MG nameplates. Ideal Team Ventures wanted to bring back this ill-fated name. In 2019, the Goodwood Festival of Speed saw the introduction of the new P72 supercar. Kind of funny how this company started out with a product called the P70 and now the P72. This was also done in collaboration with the brand's 60th anniversary. Its design was to pay homage to the P70 project and the design of the 60s Le Mans racing cars. It was also built in collaboration with Apollo on its Atenza platform, which also Ideal Team Ventures owns Apollo. If you don't understand who Apollo is, the Gambella Apollo. Apollo is the brand that came out of Gambella disappearing. The car stayed on, and Ideal Team Ventures bought them out. But unfortunately, the P72 design prompted Design House Gleckenhaus to file a lawsuit on them. Due to the similarities between it and its P54 Ferrari custom-built vehicle, where if you look at the two of them next to each other, there are high similarities between them. But there's also similarities between the Tommaso P72 and original Ferrari race cars. There are no further plans past the P72 yet. There are many aftermarket companies and coach builders still making Panteras famous around the world. But the P72 as it is today only has one extra aftermarket variation. In the year 2000, Di Tommaso, while he was still alive, commissioned a new age 
Pantera. If you go to our website, you can see a picture of it. It's an amazing looking vehicle, but the unfortunate thing is, one, it never got the financial backing it required to be completed, and two, its design was less of a Pantera and more of a Grand Touring Coupe. Currently, there are no plans to expand past the P72 with the Ideal Team Ventures. And with their umbrella owning the likes of Apollo and Gumpert as well, their possibility of expanding into the future and bringing De Tommaso into the future with many more products is kind of dwindling. Apollo seems to be their big mainstay for the IVT team. With Pantera just being a 60th anniversary re-brought out, the P72 could be its one-pony show. There is no plans to bring back the Pantera and Mangusta, where if IVT wanted to make money, and especially in the supercar ring, building a new age electric version of either one of those classic designs would really help it expand into the world of Tamar. From its original history, where its owner and creator escaped for a political asylum in Italy away from being arrested in his home country, he still gave back to his home country by showcasing their colors and his logo. He was proud of where he came from, and even though he wasn't proud of the government that they had had and he wanted to try and overthrow them, doesn't mean that he didn't love Argentina. He loved his adopted country of Italy as well, working for many of the great automotive companies from that country, and hell, even owning one of them gave him his first job in Italy at one point. Maserati did well when they were part of De Tommaso, and they expanded well. De Tommaso did very well and expanded outwards very well as well. The unfortunate thing is, like a lot of greats during that time, when the financial crisis hit yet again in the 80s, a lot of those companies started going belly up. And again, De Tommaso was too small to ride it out. And without help from Ford or anyone else at that point in time, it was all meant to go downhill. And considering the fact that Fiat owned Ferrari at the time they purchased Maserati, there was no chance that they would ever take De Tommaso on as well. Why put two competitors in the same garage? De Tommaso may still have a light at the end of its tunnel with the P72, but in all reality, it doesn't seem like much is going to be coming out of Ideal Team Ventures. ITV has an amazing garage of three supercar manufacturers, but unless they expand upon the products that they already have and utilize previous names from the history of some of these great car companies, it might just be a bag of money that they want are willing to hold on to. Similar to that, how Serbia's management group bought out Chrysler from Diamond. They just wanted some money. They didn't want to build cars. They just looked at the dollar figures. So unfortunately, there are no plans to see any. But with companies like Ari's Design building their Panther Coupe, which is essentially a new age Pantera, and little chic coach build companies coming out of the works, there's still a possibility we could see a rebirth of the Pantera. If people are willing to bring back the Lancia Stratos and Delta, then hell, why not bring back the Pantera? So if you like this podcast, please like, share, or comment, and follow us on any major social feeds or streaming network to hear more from the Autolux.net website and the Autolux podcast. We release a new episode every week, and we try to rate a new car every single week as well to keep you updated on the automotive world we all love. And if you haven't been there, stop by the Autolux.net website, take a check at some of the great things we have to offer the world of the automobile. And while there, play a few games, check out some cool websites, and read a few articles from Autolux.net. The Autolux podcast is brought to you by Ecom Entertainment Group, a division of Everett Company, and hosted by the one and only Everett J. So for myself, the whole Autolux team here, strap yourself in for this one possibly amazing ride from the new De Tommaso. I'm gonna go